Praise the Lord. If you'd take your Bibles and go with me tonight to Mark chapter number 6. We'll begin reading there in our, the first verse in just a moment. I'm so thankful to be with you tonight and look forward to what God has for us. I look forward to sharing a message with you from God's Word that's been a big help and challenge to me. It's good to see all of you back tonight. Thank you. And I'm so thankful tonight to see my Uncle Cecil. And uh, I asked them last night if they knew you, and everybody here just about did. And then I asked if we looked alike, and they all thought we did somehow. I've traveled. I had the joy of traveling for Crown College and through the years of traveling and singing and preaching. And everywhere I go, people see me. They're like, I know your daddy. And I'm like, no, you don't. But you do know my great uncle, and uh, Cecil Sturgill. And I'm so thankful to see you tonight. I'm going to tell you something he told me. I didn't, I, I didn't pay attention to the clock last night, so I don't know how long I preached. But I know your preacher said I, was, I normally preach about 30 minutes, and that's what I told him. But it's because it was, a, it was scarred into my brain that that's the, the right thing to do. And I'll tell you how it happened. I was just a teenager, and Uncle Cecil had invited me over to preach at his church. And he said, now, buddy, let me tell you something. You can say a whole lot in 30 minutes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, yes, sir. And I've been scared to preach more than 30 minutes ever since. <laughs> uh, somebody told me that your mind can only absorb what your seat can endure. So uh, I'm going to try to get on with it here and share something that will be a help to you. Tonight I want to talk about a church where God can work. And I have been around just long enough to know that this is a group of people who wants God to work in their church. And there's some things we can find out in God's Word on what makes a church work, and we can find it in a very negative situation because Jesus is right in the midst, in the prime of His earthly ministry, and He goes back to His home place, His hometown, and teaches God's Word in His home synagogue. And the Bible says that he, when He left there, and He made mention of this, and the Scripture says He could there do no mighty work. And I'm looking at this synagogue loosely. I know it's not a New Testament church, but this is where uh, the followers of God met together in Jesus' town. And this is where God's Word was taught. And as Jesus left this day, He says, I can't do any mighty works there. And that's an alarming, that's an alarming accusation, diagnosis. And may God help us not to be that way. The Bible says in verse number 1 of Mark chapter number 6, And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? the brother of James and Joses and of Jude and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled, because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Oh, you know something? The greatest preacher that ever lived showed up in the synagogue of Jesus' hometown. And when he preached, 
like only the living God could preach, he walked out of that place and God's Word says very plainly that he could there do no mighty work. He could there do no mighty work. Now it's sad to me, but I'm afraid that if we were to be honest and post on the doors and walls of many churches in this area and around this town and in this country, it would have to be very plain and God's word would be about that church. He can there do no mighty work. And I'm sad to say, and it sorrows me, but I'm afraid that if we had to post on our own souls the expectations that God has for us, on a lot of our chests would be written, He can there do no mighty work. At our church in Fletcher, we've got a sign over the door and it says you're leaving to enter the mission field. And I think about over the door of our homes. I wonder if God were to be honest about our homes and our marriages and our families. If He'd have to post over the door something to this effect. He can there do no mighty work. Oh, I hope not. I pray not. By the way, if that were posted all over the walls of this church, it doesn't have to stay. And if it's posted all over the walls of your heart, it doesn't have to stay. And if it's posted on the doors of your home, it doesn't have to continue because God can begin to do a work in your heart even now. The Bible says that as he left the synagogue that day, he could there, verse number 5, do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. You know, it's sad to me. I think there's a lot of Christians that are satisfied with Jesus just doing a little bit here and there. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to revolutionize my life. I want revival in my heart. I want the churches that I have the opportunity to minister in and be part of to be changed for the glory of God. I'm personally convinced that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Are you? I'm personally convinced that Jesus has chosen by the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. I'm personally convinced that the efforts and the work of Christian people and Bible preaching, Christ-honoring churches, is the only hope for this world. And to have this accusation and diagnosis that He can there do no mighty work is not sufficient to me, not acceptable. It's not acceptable to me that God can do a little bit here and a little bit there. And Jesus can make a little dent or a little impression. I'm praying for revival in my heart. The Scripture continues in verse number 6. And he marveled. He was just astounded. Was, uh, you marvel God, you've really done something. <laughs> he says he marveled. He was, it was just it was so sad. He marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Jesus found other places where he could do mighty works. You know that God doesn't need us? <laughs> he don't need me. But you know what he does? He wants us. He wants to use us. And there's a work to be accomplished 
I don't want Jesus going somewhere else and working when he just and, and when he wants to work with me. I want to work here and there. I want to work with me and then. Jesus said to his home church, He said, I can do no mighty works there. Oh, how devastating. And when I read this, I want to say, why? Why couldn't he? What was it? What was it that prevented him from being able to do mighty works? Because I want to make sure that in my heart and in my church that those things aren't present. And the Bible gives us some beautiful instruction here. A church where God can work. Here's some characteristics of a church where God could work. He could there do no mighty works because of some things that was going on with this group of people. The Bible says in verse number 1, He went out from thence and he came into his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now, I want you to know something. These are the people who had watched Jesus grown up. He's in his 30s, grow up. He's in his 30s now, and they had been observing the life of Jesus since he was just a child. Uh, he was always an exceptional child. There's no doubt about it. The Bible gives us evidence in his teenage years that he grew in favor with God and man. And uh, we know that Jesus made a difference and an impact in his community as a young man. And Jesus has been out now for some years doing his work and fulfilling his ministry. And he's healing and he's preaching and he's teaching. And he's uh, doing a mighty work. God is moving in his life. There's no doubt about it. And word has come back to the house. Word has come back to the home synagogue. And now, as Jesus preaches and teaches God's word, the people are astonished by what he's doing. And they're like, where did, from whence hath this man these things? Where'd that come from? Wow, where'd that come from? And what wisdom is this which he is given unto him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Here's the first thing I want to bring to your attention. A church where God can work remembers that Jesus is God. Remembers that Jesus is God. Now, I would be glad to take time right now to defend from the Scripture the deity of Christ. He is the God-man. He is all God and all man. There's no question about that. But what I want to emphasize right now is that Jesus is God in the fact that Jesus is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. Jesus is able to accomplish and perform miracles because He is God. Do you know what was amazing to me? Just paint this, see this picture with me for just a moment. Jesus walks into His home synagogue. He opens the Word, teaches the Word. Now I would believe that Jesus is taking the Scriptures and explaining the coming of the Messiah and showing them things in the Scriptures. Expounding to them the Word of God. And as church has just left, let out, the final prayer has been said. As everybody's making their way out, everybody is astonished. They're amazed. It would have been amazing to hear him preach, no doubt. And then they're kind of like, I don't know where in the world these miracles and all this great work has come from. 
Well, here's the problem. They were not identifying or believing that God could do what God said He could do. These people were faithless. A little bit later in the Scripture, He was, he was uh, amazed. He was concerned. He was marveled because of their unbelief. What was the problem? They did not really believe that God could do what He said He'd do. Those Jews that day didn't believe that God could really fulfill all the Old Testament in one man and provide a Christ. Those Old Testament Jews that day in that synagogue did not believe that the light of the world could be in their presence. Those Old Testament Jews that day didn't believe that what they really needed was right there and available. They thought they needed some kind of form of religion. But the form of religion had left them empty all these years and it would continue to unless they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Folks, I'll have you know something. There are religious people all over this world. But to find a true Christian who's believing that Jesus is all they need and what they need and can do and fulfill their every longing and desire, that is lacking in our churches. You see, it's proven because we'll reach out and step out into sin to fulfill the lust of our flesh and the longings of our hearts when Jesus wants to be the King of kings and Lord of lords for us. Why do we reach out into sin? Why do we allow ourselves to worry and fret and fear and do the wrong thing in times of desperation? Because we don't believe that Jesus can do what Jesus promises to do. And I'll just have you know something. If a church like this one doesn't have faith that what they need is Jesus and doesn't have faith to believe that Jesus is going to meet their needs and Jesus is going to show up and Jesus is going to change lives and Jesus is going to make a difference, then that's a place where God can do no mighty work. You shouldn't be surprised to see Jesus come through for you. You shouldn't be surprised when the gospel is preached in simplicity and the Holy Spirit convicts a sinner of their need of salvation and they humble themselves and become obedient and accept Jesus by faith as their Savior and it changes their life forever. You shouldn't be surprised about that. But you know we are. I don't know how many times I've had conversations with Christians about a, a family member or somebody that's, that's having a lot of problems, and I say, you know, they need Jesus. Yeah, preacher, but, you know, they... I think there's no ifs, there's no ands, there's no buts. The bottom line is they need Jesus, and Jesus is the only thing that can change that situation. And we should support the preaching of the cross, and we should support the preaching of the gospel, and we should support telling people about Jesus because it's Jesus that changes lives and not the wisdom of some preacher. It's the foolishness of the preaching that confounds the wise. And that church, that group of people who'd known Jesus, they said, I just can't believe that he's able to do this kind of stuff. Where'd that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from heaven as a gift for all of us. And folks, I want you to know something. The greatest burden you bear, the answer is going to be found in God's Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. And you can believe God to meet your needs. And you can rest in the faithfulness of God and never fear. Fear thou not. 
The Bible says, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Folks, I want you to know something. A church where God can work is a church that remembers that Jesus is God. And God can do anything. Number two, a church where God can work remembers that Jesus is greater than me. Now, it seems kind of simple, but it's so important because I'm convinced that a lot of the times we allow ourselves to be on the throne of our life, ruling and reigning in the place where Jesus should be. I saw this bumper sticker. I think I saw it on your shirt today, preacher. There's, a, there's this little emblem, and I love it. It's the letters H-E, He, the math symbol, greater than, and the little letter I. And all it stands for is He is greater than me. He is greater than me. But I want to show you how I get that from the Scriptures. You see, a church where God can work remembers that Jesus is greater than me. The Bible says in verse number 3, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Here's how this works. They come walking out of the synagogue that day and there's a group of church people that gather together and on this specific occasion we're going to imagine them to be women. <laughs> the men were having the same conversation somewhere else. <laughs> there's three or four women that gather together and they're just going to talk about what happened in church today. Sister Wigglejaw leads the way and has a little conversation with Sister Bertha, better than you. And here's how it goes. <laughs> Who does he think he is? I know him. <laughs> That's Jesus. You know, little Jesus. And they say, is not this the carpenter? Now, it's important that we note that the Scripture says, is not this the carpenter? Do you know what they're trying to do? The greatest preacher that ever lived just expounded God's Word that he wrote in their presence. And when they come out, all they can say is, well, he's just a carpenter. I can imagine them talking about it. You know, it was just Jesus. He's a carpenter. Now, he's a good carpenter. He put a deck on my house last year, and it was perfect. <laughs> you won't believe what a paint job he put on the ceiling of our house. I mean, it was perfect. Now, he's a good carpenter, but he's just a carpenter. And these ladies are standing around talking about it, and they, they say, you know, he's a carpenter. My husband is the local lawyer. So... You know, he's a little better, no doubt, than a carpenter. You know, these carpenters, they, they do okay, but you know, he don't make near as much money as the other lady says, as my husband, who is the local trash collector. 
And somebody else speaks up. Yeah, he's just a carpenter. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to bring Jesus down to a human level. The moment you do that, you've made a grave error because Jesus is not on your level. Jesus is greater than you. And He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want you to know something. You need Him. You need Him in your life. You need Him every hour of every day because if you don't have Jesus in your life, you're walking around unprotected, empty, and lost. And I'm sad to say that there are churches who've cast Jesus out. And may this never be one. He's just a carpenter. The Scripture continues, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? <laughs> now this was a point of slander. You know, in the church, they had all these folks had gossiped and gossiped, and they knew about Joseph and Mary. Now, it was 30-some years ago, but the same group of people were bringing up something that should have, if it even were a sin, should have been forgiven and not been a subject matter on Saturday morning after church was out. They said, you know, the son of Mary... <laughs> We know he's Mary's son, but we don't know who his daddy is. You remember? We know how long a betrothal is. And we know when that wedding should have been consummated. And we know when Jesus was born, and I want you to know something, he was full term. He was perfect. They said he's the son of Mary. They did not want to submit to Jesus, so they put scandal around his name. And folks, I want you to know something. People who bring God's Word into question and people who bring Jesus into question, they are trying to make Jesus on their same level. And if you make Jesus on your same level, He can't help you and you need help. They scandaled His name. The Scripture continues, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon. Now they couldn't come up with anything bad that Jesus had done, but Jesus had four brothers. James and Joseph and Judah and Simon. <laughs> I said, you know who these brothers are? James and Joseph and Judah and Simon. You remember when, he, when James set off firecrackers in the urinal in the men's bathroom back, that, back a few weeks ago? You remember that? That's Jesus' brother. You remember Joseph's? Now he's a heathen. That's Jesus' brother. And we don't know the stories of these men, but they were bringing him down to man's level, weren't they? I want to remind you of something. Jesus is greater than you, and you better thank God for it. And we should never esteem ourselves greater than he. They identified Jesus with his brothers. I'm so glad that I don't have to identify with all my family. And I know there's a lot of them glad I don't have to identify with them. And Cecil says, Amen. And are not his sisters here with us? I said, he's got brothers and sisters right here. And the Bible says they were offended at him. They were offended at him. They were offended because Jesus had exalted himself to a place 
greater than them. Than them. Now, folks, that's just something we're going to have to get used to and something we should glory in. Jesus is greater than me. You know, there's some things in the Scripture that I don't necessarily like to obey. For instance, gluttony. I had a cheeseburger today. It had a grilled cheese on on the bottom of it, a grilled cheese on the top of it, and a big chunk of hamburger meat and cheese in the middle. I don't know. One of them may not be gluttony, but if I went back tomorrow, I think I'd be guilty as charged. I, I don't like that necessarily. There are certain things that come up that are a bit uncomfortable, like forgiveness. Faithfulness, giving. Some of those things are hard. Some of those things are hard. But I want you to know something. Everything that God has ever told us to do is for our good and for His glory. And if, it, if God says it, I need to humble myself and allow Him to be the Lord and King of my life and just be okay and glory in the fact that Jesus is greater than me. I remember as a child, the rest I took in my grandfather's. I knew they were greater than me. And I was glad of that. You know why? Because I knew that though I was unable as a child to take care of me, they could. And though I was unable to provide for me as a child, they could. Those men are gone. But I'll have you know something that I rest in every day of my life. I have a Heavenly Father, a Savior, Jesus Christ, Though I'm unable to take care and meet my needs and protect my family the way I'd so like to, He is. He is. Folks, I want you to know something. A church that will say, Jesus is greater than me is a church that God can bless. The Bible continues. The third thing, final things, the Scripture reads, verse number 4, But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor. He says a prophet, it's not, he's not without honor. They get honor. He says a prophet's not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. What's he say? He says these folks have become so familiar that they've taken me for granted. I want you to know you have a gift and a treasure for many years, the Bible's been preached from this pulpit. Don't get so accustomed to the words and the message that you forget how important that it is. How important is it? You see, we've got to get fresh and we've got to realize again that the truth that proceeds out of God's Word regarding our Savior Jesus is the most relevant news and word that we'll hear all day, all week, all year, our whole life. You see, we've heard preaching on the blood and the cross and 
Salvation by grace through faith and being separate from the world. Willing to be used by God. We've heard God's will preached and God's will preached till the place. Sometimes it's just kind of like, eh, same old stuff. But I want you to know something. The truths that proceed from the Word of God is the most important thing that you'll ever consider and is the most important truths that you'll ever have and the most important news that will affect your life today. Don't take it for granted. These people had Jesus in their presence. Oh well, you know, we've been hearing about him our whole life. We've been seeing him. We've been, he's been around here for 30-some years. Yet had they settled in and listened and obeyed and esteemed Christ his proper place, you know what Jesus would have done that day? Mighty works. He would have saved their souls. He'd have shook their town. But what happened? Jesus said his final amen. They walked out the door. And God saw fit to write in his word. He could there do no mighty work. Oh, Lord, help me not to be that kind of Christian. And I pray God will help this church not to be that kind of church. And you can have it. If you'll remember Jesus is God. Jesus is what you really need. And He can accomplish and do anything. He remembers that Jesus is greater than I. And remembers that Jesus must not be taken for granted. Oh, don't neglect the Savior. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And that's a church where God can do great things.